Good evening, Lake Church. Let's uh, give a warm welcome to the online audience tonight. I've got some announcements to start the night off. There's the cozy basket. Um, TCA students and staff are selling the tickets still for the um, annual cozy basket raffle. That's a raffle. Um, Tickets are $5 each. I've got my two tickets, so I'm fighting you guys on that one. I want to get cozy. Uh, the basket is filled with cozy items. Um, uh, it's strategically timed, I think, for the season. Um, the season of needing to be cozy. Uh, tickets are on sale until December 10th, and the drawing will take place after the service of December 10th. So you better get your tickets in. Uh, next announcement we've got is water baptism is uh, be ongoing this next Sunday. Um, if you have the desire to be water baptized, there's a sign-up sheet, the check-in desk, um, check-in desk right inside the door. Next announcement, tamale fundraiser, that's ongoing. Um, you will be able to order those from Jorge or Kenzie in the comments on Sunday, and they may be over here tonight too. Um, all of the proceeds will go to Area 51 Student Ministries. And then my last announcement here is Vision 2025. So this is a giving program, and the goal is to pay off all Lake Church's building debt by the end of 2025. I know I hate debt, so that's a good. That's a really good goal. So uh, you might consider what what it what it is for you to part part to play in that. Um, and then let me remind you of the ways to give. We've got online at lake-church.com. We've got envelopes on the seatbacks, a.k.a. the classic way. Um, text to give, 84321. You just text that number and text the amount and what ministry it is. And then the Church Center app. You can also download that at the App Store and get that and give that away. So that's all I've got. I'm going to go ahead and pray, and we can take that up. Or um, I think there's a buck in the back. So... Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity it is to give unto your house, Lord, and uh, bless the ministry. Uh, Lord, we ask and believe that this will go forward and do exactly what you have planned for it. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to introduce Kevin. Pastor Kevin. Uh, Good evening. All right, let's get in the Word. Galatians chapter 3. We are moving right along. All right. So I'm going to start out. I'm going to read the first five verses. Uh, We've been talking about in chapter 2 the two examples, uh, the two stories that Paul shared to illustrate the dual theme that's in the book of Galatians, which is uh, that we are not only saved by grace through faith, but we are also sanctified or made spiritual by grace through faith without any works of the law. And so in Galatians chapter 3, he begins to defend that those two points in the first few verses by presenting to them a couple of rhetorical questions uh, to get them thinking. Uh, but before he does that, He blasts them with the most severe, corrective uh, words that we'll find in Paul's epistles anywhere. 
You know, even the uh, Corinthians didn't get corrected as harshly as the Galatians did. And I'm telling you, there was some freaky stuff going on in the Corinthian church. (laughs) I mean, all kinds of... Well, you know, he said sexual immorality of the sort which even the pagans wouldn't stand for. You know, so they had some... Some freaky stuff going on. And Paul corrected them, but not as harshly as he did the Galatians. And why? Because they were involved in something more dangerous, more deceptive. They were involved in a false gospel, which was not really a gospel at all. But it was a counterfeit or a perversion of the true gospel of Christ. And God's real serious about not changing his message Because, you know, the book of Romans tells us that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And when you add anything to it, it's kind of like acid. If you add water to it, you dilute the effectiveness of it. And with the gospel, whenever you add anything to the perfect and finished work of Jesus, you dilute the power of it. To be able to affect people's hearts. It's the grace of God that is the hallmark of the gospel. And anytime you add man's works, man's effort to earn righteousness to the works of Jesus, you have diluted the effectiveness in the ears of the hearer. It doesn't bring about salvation. It actually causes people to be uh, joined into a an indoctrination of religion. And legalism, which is the uh, problem that the Galatians had fallen for, is no different from any other ism in the world system. Buddhism, Hinduism, every other ism is just a system of man's works in his own pride to try and do something and present it to God as a way to earn his favor. And um, I'll show you some verses here in a few minutes. But actually, when people do that, they're trying to put God in debt to them. And God is not a debtor to any man. No one receives anything from God except by grace through simple faith. That is it. Ephesians 2 and 8 tells us that. That it is the gift of God. Not of works lest any man should boast. See, none of us, no person is ever going to stand before God and be able to boast about what he has done in order to be made right with God. None of us will be able to go to heaven and, uh, you know, if an angel asks you why you're there, say, well, I did this or I did that or I didn't do this or I didn't do that. No, the only acceptable answer will be, My faith in Jesus Christ and in His perfect and finished work of shedding His blood to buy me back out of sin and out of death is the only thing that we have faith in for us to be made right with God. Amen? So I'm going to just read this. Galatians chapter 3 verse 1. He says, O foolish Galatians. And I tell you what, some of the modern translations are pretty... Uh, interesting to read. The Phillips translation says, You dear idiots. <laughs> you dear idiots. <laughs> oh foolish Galatians. 
Who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. First of all, the word bewitched, it actually means who has, who has deceived you with the evil eye. And what that really, when you get to studying that culturally, it's being hypnotized. And they liken it to like how a serpent would, you know, you look, uh, prey looks into the eyes of a serpent and it hypnotizes them to where he can, you know, attack. And these Jewish believers who were stuck in legalism had come along and caused them to take their eyes off of Jesus Christ and him crucified and look to something else. They had actually been uh, fallen under demonic deception. Let's look at Romans chapter 10. I'm going to share this with you out of the Passion Translation. This is really what legalism is. Paul is lamenting the fact that Israel, his brothers and sisters, uh, according to his natural lineage, uh, had not accepted Jesus as Christ, as Lord, and uh, become a part of the family of God. And he says this in verse 1, My beloved brothers and sisters, the passionate desire of my heart and constant prayer to God is for my fellow Israelites to experience salvation. For I know that although they are deeply devoted to God, they are unenlightened. Do you know that you can be deeply devoted to God and yet be unenlightened? I like in the King James Version it says they had a zeal for God but not according to knowledge. You know, there's a lot of people who think who are serving God but not doing it according to truth. Mm. Just because you're zealous for God doesn't mean you're acting according to knowledge. You can be totally deceived. In fact, think about this. The very man who wrote these words, the Apostle Paul, at one time, after Jesus had been raised from the dead and ascended back to heaven, he was persecuting the church. He said vehemently, going about with orders to arrest men, women, and children... To have them thrown in prison and even killed for their faith in Jesus Christ. And he thought he was doing it for God. That's how deceptive a zeal for God but not being enlightened to truth can take you off course. And what caused it was, he says, and since they've ignored the righteousness that God gives... Wanting instead to be acceptable to God because of their own works, they refuse to submit to God's faith righteousness. Man, I've thought about this before. I'm like, why would anybody, why would, (laughs) this is beyond comprehension for me. Why would anybody turn down the free gift of God's righteousness To go about trying to establish their own righteousness by their own performance. It just seems incomprehensible to me. But that's exactly what these people did. The reason why is because of demonic deception 
that used man's pride against him. Religious pride is one of the greatest sins and greatest deceptions that there are in life. You know, Derek Prince, one of the uh, greatest um, teachers about demonic influence and, and casting out devils of the last century, he said that religious spirits are the worst and the hardest to get rid of because people are deceived into thinking that they're operating correctly, but they're actually operating in deception. They have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. They are deeply devoted to God. Now listen, religious people are some of the most deeply devoted people you'll ever run across. Some of the people in the world religions of, you know, the ancient world religions are so zealous for God, they kill for Him. Mm. You know the difference in religion and the faith? Is that religion, people can be so... uh, So zealous for their religion, they would kill for God. But the difference is that the faith will cause you to be so zealous for God that you would give your life for Him. But some of the people, religious people in the world, are very deeply devoted to God. But, you know, in the world, religions are actually worshiping devils. I mean, they, those, those ancient religions aren't just the figment of man's imagination. These are ancient idol worship attached to actual spirits and entities that cause people to get tied up in works-based, performance-based religion. And actually, the root of it is in Cain. The way of Cain is the way of legalism. Remember, Abel brought a sacrifice of a lamb. Because Abel, he didn't produce that lamb. But Cain brought the the work of his hands, the, the work of the field, and he tried to present it to God, and he was rejected. That is a type of legalism. It's a type of us trying to earn Right standing with God. And the pride of man, especially religious pride, will cause people to actually reject the free gift of God's righteousness to try and go about establishing their own. And one of the reasons why is because if you think you're um, accomplishing this, then you can boast in front of men. See, that's why in legalistic or religious systems, people have the, you know, it's where the, the phrase holier than thou comes from, you know. Um, people think that they, by their performance, are achieving some level of righteousness. You know, holiness is a fruit. It's not a work. <laughs> Romans chapter 6 says holiness is a fruit that is produced through your life by intimacy and relationship with God. Not a work, okay? It manifests in your actions, but it's actually produced by the Holy Spirit. Okay, so people get their attaboys. They get their pats on the back. They get their religious props by comparing themselves to other people 
And as long as they feel like they're better than other people, they think they're okay. The problem is, is that other people aren't the standard. Other people are not the standard. Religious people never compare themselves to God. They always compare themselves to other people. But your neighbor is not your standard. You were created in the image and in the likeness of God. And the glory of God, which we all fall short of, is Christ Jesus. The one we're supposed to be being conformed to His image. It's not your neighbor. So when we compare ourselves to Him, we see ourselves in the right light. And we understand that we cannot of ourselves. Produced a, produce a standard of righteousness that is acceptable to God. I've said this many times, but when you understand correctly, you realize that you are all disqualified. We are all disqualified by our own performance. Now, I feel like I'm kind of jumping ahead of myself. But God's standard of righteousness is absolute perfection from the moment you're born till the day that you die here's the good thing you could earn righteousness you could earn the righteousness of God all you have to do is live your whole life without sinning one time and you can earn the righteousness of God you can earn let me say this you would be righteous and you could earn eternal life that's all you got to (laughs) do Problem is, you're all disqualified already. We're all disqualified already. Which is the purpose of the law. It's not to get us a means of salvation. It's a measure to show us we've already fallen short of the standard of God's righteousness. And if God doesn't do something about it for us, we're doomed. We're destined for hell. But the good news of the gospel is God did do something about it. For for the Christ is the end of the law. And because of him, God has transferred his perfect righteousness to all who believe. Man, I tell you what, now that's awesome. Do you realize that by simple faith in what Jesus did for you through His death, burial, resurrection, that God transfers His perfect righteousness to your account as a gift? His perfect right. Listen, there are only two standards of righteousness. God's perfect righteousness or unrighteousness. Because our righteousness, Isaiah said, is as filthy rags in the sight of God. So listen, when you try to perform and present to God your righteousness, it's filthy rags in His sight. You're trying to give Him something He don't want. (laughs) The good news is that He has provided you His perfect righteousness you got to understand that because then you can stop putting on airs. You can stop performing when you realize there's nothing for you to prove. (laughs) Then you can actually enter into rest. And from rest, you can begin to act on who you are in Him, which is the righteousness of God. (laughs) 
So we have to understand that God transfers his perfect righteousness to us. Why would anyone want to go on trying to produce a righteousness of their own by their works? Let me go back to Galatians 3. He says, O foolish Galatians, who bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. Now, Paul, by his preaching, had so completely and concisely presented the gospel, they, did, they weren't there when Jesus was crucified, but the meaning of the crucifixion was so clearly conveyed, it was, actually, it was better than if they had actually been there. Because there were hundreds, there were thousands of people who watched Jesus being crucified and had no idea what was actually really happening. Because in the physical, it was just a man on a cross. But in the spiritual realm, God had laid our sin upon Jesus. He had taken the curse upon himself. He was wounded for our transgression, bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. There was a whole lot going on in the spiritual realm. And Paul was preaching those things and making the meaning of Christ's crucifixion known to them. They knew that Christ's work on the cross satisfied the wrath of God and every legal demand that the law had against mankind for sin. God was satisfied. And through His satisfaction, mankind was redeemed and able to be declared justified in the sight of God. The word justified means to be declared not guilty. And it's even better than that because it means that you were guilty, but the payment was made for your guilt and now you're declared not guilty. (laughs) And the result of justification is that you're righteous. Mm. And so Paul had so clearly preached this to them that they shouldn't have, if they would have continued to look at Jesus. See, that's the problem. We get our eyes off Jesus. We get our eyes off Jesus and we get our eyes on us. And listen, you're going to be disappointed if you're looking at yourself. Because <laughs> you still come up short. <laughs> And so, he says, this was, this was clearly portrayed to you. you. You should have already known. This is why he called him an idiot. <laughs> That's why he called him the foolish Galatians. He says in verse 2, this only I want to learn from you. Now, this is the first of the two rhetorical questions that um, defend his point. Uh, the first point of his dual theme in the book of Galatians. He says, this only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit... By works of the law or by the hearing of faith. What he's talking about, he's not talking about being baptized in the Holy Spirit. He's talking about receiving the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit at the new birth. And he's asking them, he said, Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law? Or hearing of faith. Listen, these people were Gentiles. They were not keeping the law. They were excluded from the law. They never had the law. They were never under the law. When Paul came preaching, he simply preached that in this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. And through him you're freed from everything. We've talked about that before. The simple 
true gospel of grace, of the grace of God, of what God had done for us, independent of us, without our deserving or earning it in any way, shape, or form. Faith without works equals salvation. That's what Paul was preaching. These people were not keeping the law. That's what he was trying to say. Did you receive the Spirit? Were you born again because you were keeping the law? But you know, and we don't necessarily, I mean, there are groups in the in Christianity that are trying to keep the law of Moses. But the the majority of the Christian church isn't trying to keep the law of Moses. But we make laws of our own. We have laws of our own making. We try to use them. What's crazy to me is if the law of Moses couldn't save you, why in the world do you think that the laws that you make for yourself are going to save you? <laughs> or are going to make you righteous? Listen, God's not against effort. He's against earning. <laughs> there is effort in the Christian life. Hebrews, Hebrews 4.11 says, Let us labor... To enter rest. Where's the labor? The labor's in the Word. The labor of the Christian life is in the Word. And the Word produces the life of God. Mm. The Word, that's where the laboring is. In the Word and in prayer. Interacting with the Holy Spirit and reading the Word. You know what it, you know what it is? Is this word reveals truth and the Holy Spirit confirms it. That's revelation knowledge. When I find truth in this word, the Holy Spirit says, yes. And he makes it real to me. And then I have the faith to actually be able to step out and act on it. And James said that when a man is not just a hearer, but a doer. He's blessed in his doing. So he asked them, which is an obvious answer, is no. Listen, let me read this to you. I was, I was looking at this early, earlier. In Ephesians chapter 2. I didn't give it to Mark because I just got it a couple hours ago. But he's talking about the Gentiles in uh, verse 11 of Ephesians 2. And he says, therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope. And without God in the world. These people were not keeping the law. All they did is heard the gospel, believed it, and confessed Jesus as Lord. Man, we've made it complicated. We are so so indoctrinated with the elemental spirits of this age. And, and having to earn and deserve everything that we get in life. We're so, grace is so foreign to us. That it takes a revelation of the Holy Spirit to be able to understand the gospel. But the moment you believe, you receive the Holy Spirit. Did you know, so I already shared this before. But when Peter went to Cornelius' house, 
and he was preaching and he mentioned the forgiveness of sins, the Holy Spirit interrupted his sermon. I mean, he was still preaching. And then the Holy Spirit fell on them. They began to speak in other tongues. And listen, you know, it's like the Holy Spirit's like, that's enough. They got it. <laughs> and, and he fell on them. You know, he didn't even give an altar call. That's amazing. <laughs> they didn't have to come up and repeat a prayer. Oh, man. Why? With the heart, man believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth, see, that's just the result of being righteous. The confession is made unto salvation. With the heart, man believes. They listened to the message. They heard it. They believed it. But he wasn't adding a bunch of stuff to it. And the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. Oh, man, we've made it everyone who behaves. (laughs) that's the way I grew up they didn't say it that way but that's what they were saying the gospel is the power of salvation unto everyone who behaves the rest of their life listen if you believe right you'll behave right you believe wrong you'll behave wrong the just live by faith guys whatever you believe is how you're going to act If you believe you're depraved, you're going to act depraved. The problem is the devil's trying to convince you you're depraved. He's trying to convince you that your salvation experience isn't real. He's trying to convince you you're not a new creation in Christ Jesus. He's trying to convince you you're not already dead to sin. But Paul said, reckon yourselves dead indeed unto sin and alive unto God through Jesus Christ. It's about believing, guys. You know, I, I've heard terms like easy believism and stuff like that. And I understand what they're talking about. But it's a belief that trusts. And we always want to see, you know, we always want to, you know, check it out. and say, Did it really work, you know? God knows the heart. Listen, man. I remember whenever I got saved, you know, of course, I don't want to go into my whole testimony, but I was in the Creek County Jail. I called my dad. I said, Dad, I got saved. He said, boy, I hope so. I said, it didn't even make me mad because I knew. It didn't matter to me. I didn't care. I said, well, you're going to see it. I mean, you're going to find out, you know. As soon as I get out of here, I'll show you. (laughs) You know. (laughs) But it's about believing. Do you know that obedience to the gospel is to believe it? Mm-hmm. Obedience to the gospel. See, Paul said that he was made as he was uh, made an apostle to bring about the obedience of faith among the Gentiles. That's what he said in Romans chapter one. The obedience to the gospel is to believe it. It's faith in it. But listen, if you start trying to add your works in it, you're disobeying the gospel. That's what they were doing. And they they earned a sharp rebuke for it. The Apostle Paul was not happy because they had never been under the law. Listen, guys, I'm not a Jew. I'm a Gentile. I was never under the law. For me to try and keep the law is stupidity. 
I was without God, without hope and without God in the world. I was an alien to the, to the commonwealth of Israel and a stranger to the covenant. I was outside. I was an outsider. That's what Gentiles means, outsider. We were outsiders. And what you're going to find out that even the natural Jews are not automatically a part of the new covenant. They were the old, but they weren't a part of the new. So he's asking them, did you receive the Spirit? By works of the law or hearing of faith? Hearing of faith. That's exactly what I'm talking about tonight. Verse 3. Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Did you know works is just uh, self-effort? It's trying to produce the righteousness of God from your own strength. Or a better way of saying that would be from your own weakness. We're weak of the flesh. Do you know that the re- it says in Hebrews that God found fault with them. The reason he, I mean, he always had that this is an eternal covenant. This is the, but under the old covenant, it says he found fault not with the law. The law's perfect. It's righteous. It's holy. It's good. But he found fault with them because fulfilling it was dependent on the flesh. So how foolish to try and keep the law is not to be walking by the Spirit, but to be walking by the flesh. When you try to keep the law in order to be right with God or to try and earn His favor. Because see, this is what happens. People are in need of a miracle or they're in need of receiving from God. And the bartering starts. The bartering starts. Or the, the, uh, or the um, well, I don't know why God hadn't done this for me yet. Well, I'm always at church every time the doors open. I give my tithes. I read the Bible. I pray. I'm sorry, guys. That's, those things can help you get into faith. Reading the Bible, praying, going to church, listening to someone who's anointed to teach the Word of God. Those things are all, um, I won't even say good, they're necessary. But they don't earn you any favor with God. What is that? I'm trying to put God in debt to me. If I do enough, He'll have to. Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit... Are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? You know, when Paul was preaching in the regions of Galatia, there was great persecution um, from legalistic Jews. In fact, the region of Galatia in Lystra is where he was left dead. Remember, they stoned him and left him outside of the city. And I normally say left him for dead, but they left him dead. But God raised him from the dead. And these are the the persecutions, what he's talking about. You suffered for the gospel. Now you're giving in to these people. Because listen, all Paul had to do to stop the persecution is just add a little law into his preaching. Just say, okay, yeah, yeah, you do need to get circumcised. Then you're fully in. Because that's what they wanted. So they could boast in their flesh. They could say, they're one of us. And we're the chosen ones. 
See, that's the religious pride that was deceiving them. They're, that's what the Jews were saying. They can't be in unless they're one of us. Mm. And God used that. He knew that that would be the result. And He used their pride and their rejection of the free gift of righteousness to open the gospel up to all of the nations of the world. And this is the problem that most of us have is that we come into the faith, you know, without one plea. (laughs) You know, we just come as we are. Come as you are without one plea. You know, we know we don't have no leg to stand on. We've recognized we're a sinner separated from God, you know. But it's after we get saved that we start. <laughs> that's, where we get, that's where we get messed up. And that's the second part where he says here in verse 5, Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and... Okay, so supplies the spirits, the born-again experience, and works miracles. This is talking about spirituality. This is after the fact. Here's where a lot of people get messed up. They think they got to earn a miracle. they got to earn healing. they got to earn prosperity. That's, I mean, I'm telling you, can anybody relate to that? That's where people think, you know, that's where we get messed up. We think, oh, well, surely it's not. I mean, I can't just get it. Do you know everybody Jesus healed was not a new creation? They were not born again. None of them. That was never a prerequisite for Jesus to heal anybody. And yet we, we come into this side of the cross... It's crazy. It's, it's deception. We're indoctrinated with legalism. We need to purge our hearts. We need to purge our minds. Because listen, if you think you need to deserve it, then you definitely think those people out there that you're called to go out and minister to need to deserve it. See, I think that's one of the reasons we don't operate in the gifts of the Spirit and stuff outside of the church too. Because in our heart, we think we have to deserve it. We surely think they're disqualified. We don't understand that, you know, Jesus didn't check. (laughs) He didn't make them qualify for it. They're already disqualified. We're all disqualified. But God has qualified us. This is first, uh, this is Colossians chapter one. He has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. I believe that's Colossians 1.12. Giving thanks unto the Father who has qualified us to be partakers. You're qualified. Not by your performance. By the perfect performance of Jesus Christ. In His death, burial, and resurrection. Through the offering of the body and the shedding of the blood. He's qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance. What is the inheritance? The kingdom of God which God prepared for you from before the foundation of the world. The power and dominion and the Holy Spirit that has been given to us because we're justified in Him. Man. So therefore, He who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does He do it by works of the law or by hearing of faith? Hearing of faith. You know, I think about Acts chapter 14 where it said Paul was preaching the word of His grace. That's what it says And then it says that as he was preaching, and and, you know, nothing is in there by accident. 
When it says he was preaching the word of his grace, that's what he was preaching. And it says that as he was preaching, he perceived a man who was lame from birth had faith to be healed. Hmm. Where did he get the faith to be healed? It was from what Paul was preaching. See, miracles come not by works of the law. That man was a Gentile. He hadn't been keeping the law. He was sitting there listening to Paul. Probably the first time he ever heard the gospel. And he just believed it. And Paul said, stand up on your feet. And the guy got up and began running around, jumping around. He was totally healed. He had never walked. He was lame from birth. He simply heard the word of his grace. What God had done for him through Jesus, through the death, burial, and resurrection that was given as a free gift. And the man believed it and he received his miracle and was made whole in an instant. Hmm. Man, see, that's what, that's what it is. We receive the Spirit and He works miracles among us by the hearing of faith. If we want to see miracles... We need to preach the word of his grace because grace produces faith. It's the grace of God that causes people to receive their faith to be able to partake of what God has freely provided for them. Mm. You know what? This atmosphere, I can sense it right now. I can sense it right now. There is an atmosphere of faith in this place. And before we leave, we're going to act on that. And listen, if you listen, you don't have to qualify. If you hear, you know what qualify? You hear it. If you believe it, you say, that's mine. That's mine because Jesus purchased that for me. Listen, I believe right now we can see instantaneous deliverance from oppression of sickness and disease in this moment. Why? Because the Spirit of God. God wants to confirm His Word with signs following. And we're preaching on the Word of His grace. He did it for you. He didn't do... Listen, Jesus didn't die for all of us. He died for each of us. That's right. You, that, it has to be that revelation. You have to say, He did it for me. See, I heard, I'd heard people talk about Jesus. I'd heard about Him talking about His death, His burial, His resurrection. But one day I heard it and I said, He did it for me. Yes. That made all the difference. Yes. That made all the difference in the world. Because you know, I look at other people and I think, well, they probably deserve it. They look... I know me better than I know anybody else. <laughs> you know, And that's why you know, a lot of times... We think that, you know, people think that they got to get some preacher to pray for them. And listen, we'll pray for you. We'll, we'll lay hands on you till we rub the hair off your head. <laughs> Bob's been obviously in the line several times. <laughs> I love you, brother. <laughs> that just came to me. It must. <laughs> There's just a free flow of the anointing in this place right now. <laughs> And we believe in the laying on of hands. But you know, in, <laughs> it, said, 
It says, if any sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church. Because they recognize they need someone to come and pray for them. But listen, you don't have to have that to receive from God. You have a covenant with God through Jesus. You know, we took the communion the other day. That body broken. That's why I always, when we take it, I always break it. Because his body was broken for me. So that I could partake and, and be a part of his body. But then that blood, he said, this cup is the new covenant. It's a new covenant. The new covenant in his blood. We're not in the old covenant. The problem is people got the two mixed up. Haven't made the transition out of the old and into the new. And even back then in the book of Hebrews, he said, what is obsolete is ready to vanish away. It's supposed to be done away with. And we're hanging on to parts of it. We're mixing it up. Just like I talked about in Galatians 1, we're mixing law with grace and perverting the gospel. And then we wonder why we're seemingly unable to have what the Bible explicitly tells us belongs to us. We've got to purge our hearts of legalism and have our eyes completely on nothing but Christ and Him crucified. Paul, you know, he said to the Corinthians, I didn't want to know anything among you except Christ and him crucified. Listen, he was so uh, zealous about the message. That, and, I, you know, he said, I don't come to you with eloquent words of man's wisdom. You know why I think that was? You know, obviously in his writings, the man was, could speak eloquent. <laughs> he knew Hebrew. He knew Greek. He, he was a very highly intelligent man. I mean, his writings are on an, on an elevated level where we're just, it, it's, it's crazy. He said, I don't come to you with wor- eloquent words of man's wisdom. Why? So that your faith wouldn't rest in man, but in the power of God. He wanted to speak the gospel so clearly and concisely that they didn't get it mixed up. So that their eyes would be fully on what Jesus had done for them. And not on anything else. Not on trying to to do anything else other than to believe on what Christ had done. So that was the second part. That not only do we receive the Spirit, but we continue to see miracles and experience the life of God By the hearing of faith. That's why confession of the word is so important. Because you can talk it to yourself 24-7, 365. And nobody's voice carries weight like your own voice does. In fact, I love Charles Capps used to talk about how that when you confess the word, you hear it twice. Because you hear it with these ears and you hear it with your inner ear. And so that's what meditating on the Word is. It's speaking it over and over to yourself. What's that do? When I'm meditating on the Word, when I'm saying that I'm in Christ, I'm a new creation, old things pass away, behold, all things become new. When I start saying that over and over to myself, the Holy Spirit comes alongside and says, Yes, that is your reality. 
from the inside, he begins to whisper to my heart and say, You are God's beloved child. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He begins to say it inside to my heart. And he is convincing me of the reality of it. Beyond any contrary, contradictory circumstances that I see in the natural. Mm. I remember, you know, when I got delivered from drug addiction, that verse, man. Because I had, I had, you know, I had embraced a different identity. I remember saying, I'm a drug addict, I'm an alcoholic, I'm a criminal, I'll always be. I guess this is just me. I guess I'll always be this way. I remember saying that. But then I remember meditating on that word, and then it came out of me. It was the Lion of Judah. It came out of me in power. It came out of me from revelation. I said, I am not. Mm. The lie lost its grip. I said, I am not a drug addict. I am not an alcoholic. I am not a criminal. I am not destined to be this way. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The old man is dead. He's passed away. I've been raised to newness of life in Him. I'm no longer addicted. I no longer have disorders. I'm no longer all of those things I thought I was. And I'm telling you, when I began to say that, it gave, it gave, it gave motion to my actions. Man, I believed it. That's why I say, right behaving comes from right believing. I can tell you that if you believe, whatever you believe, is, is, it, it fulfills itself in your life. That's why the effort is in the Word. Because you know what you should and shouldn't do. And for you to just go trying to check off all the do's and all the don'ts, that's doing it in your own strength. Yeah. Your own weakness. There's no power of the Holy Spirit behind that. But when it comes from revelation and you're so identified with him that when temptation comes, you just give it the Heisman stiff arm. You say, (laughs) I don't know where that came from. I've been watching football. (laughs) You just say, not today, devil. (laughs) That's not who I am. That's not who I am. I don't have to go, oh my God, I really want to do that. (laughs) No, that's not who I am. Kind of like when a, a kid's getting ready to go out on Friday night and the dad, before he walks up the door, he says, you better remember who you are tonight, son. That's exactly it. You know who you are? That defines what you do and what you don't do. And it comes from who you truly are. It doesn't come from you trying to act like something you're not. It comes out of a revelation. Okay, so let me, let me skip down here. i got just a few more minutes left. Verse 6. Just as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now, this is Genesis 15, 6. This is where God came, and he spoke to Abraham. And the Bible says he believed God, and God counted it to him for righteousness. That is the historical precedent that shows us that before the law, David in Romans chapter 4 had the same blessing. And then so before the law, 
during, under the law and even after the law. The only way to be made right with God is by faith. It doesn't say Abraham believed in God. He already been having conversations with him. It's not believing in God. It's believing God. Why is that so important? Because the highest form of honor is to take you at your word. It's the integrity of God's word. When I take his word, I say, if God said it, that's it. See, faith is... Uh, without evidence in the natural realm. See, God said something to Abraham that was impossible in the natural, and he could not do it. He couldn't make it happen. Okay? And God counted that to him for righteousness. That set the precedent for us. See, I couldn't change my nature. Did you know that you're not a sinner because you sinned? You sinned because you're a sinner. You were born with the sin nature. And sins are just the manifestation of the nature. But the problem is, is that you could stop sinning for the rest of your life and it wouldn't change your nature. So the problem wasn't the sins, it was the sin nature that we were born with because of original sin when Adam disobeyed God and committed treason against the kingdom of heaven and everybody born after him was born in the same condition. So Jesus came and He took that sin nature on Himself and had it crucified on the cross. He was buried, but when He was raised from the dead, He came up spiritually alive unto God without the old nature. See, Jesus didn't have the old nature. He wasn't a son of Adam. But He took it on Himself and died spiritually. And the first thing that happened is he came back to life spiritually. And then he was raised physically. Oh, man. See, that's what causes us to be born of God. We're born again spiritually. We're dead spiritually. That's why that sin nature is to be dead spiritually. It means to be separated from God. But when we believe, bam, the very life of God comes into us through the Holy Spirit and we are made alive unto God. The old man was crucified and we are resurrected to newness of life. Mm. But Abraham was counted righteous by just believing God. When we believe the gospel, bam, we're counted righteous. Man. I want to move on, but I just can't. Come on. You know, it's not a relative righteousness. It is the perfect righteousness of God. In fact, I'll stand here before you tonight, and I don't have any apprehension in saying this. I'm as righteous as Jesus is. Because Jesus is my righteousness. I don't have any of my own. I did. It was filthy rags. (laughs) But that old man was crucified. Old things passed away. Behold, all things. All things have become new. And the verse 18 after that says, And all things are of God. Mm, I tell you, I can just take off running on that. (laughs) 
All things are of God. Now, all things before were of my relationship, you know, as a human being in Adam. But now it's all of God. Why? Because I am born of God. You're born of God if you're a believer tonight. You are born of God. Not in principle. I'm talking about literally. Born of God. You've received His nature, His Spirit. The Bible says he who has joined himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. That's what the new creation is. It's the spirit of God coming on the inside of a human being and making them new. Listen, you got the spiritual DNA of God. I wasn't going to share this verse, but look at this. John chapter 1. John chapter 1. In verse 11, I don't have this on the screen, so you'll just have to look at your Bible. It is Bible study night, so I hope you brought your Bible. (laughs) He says, uh, he came to his own, talking about Jesus, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name... Who were, not, who were born not of blood. See, this isn't a natural birth. Nor of the will of the flesh. Nor of the will of man. But of God. I like to cut some of that middle stuff out. And just say who were born of God. I tell you what. That's awesome. You were born when Jesus talks about talked talked about being born again to Nicodemus. When you look at that in the original language, you know what it's, it actually says to be born from above. Mm. Man, God is my father. God is my father, not in principle. It's not just a nice sounding sentiment. It's literal. Yes. I've experienced a spiritual. If you're a believer tonight, you've experienced a spiritual rebirth. Yeah. You were reborn in his image and in his likeness. Mm. Mm. See, the gospel is not the unveiling of Christ to us. The gospel is the unveiling of Christ in us. That's what the Apostle Paul said in Colossians 1. He said the mystery of the ages, which was hidden for ages and generations. See, mysteries in the, in the New Testament are not things that can't be known. Too much of this religious thinking, oh, God's mysterious. You can't ever know what God's going to do. That's not true. See. So, Well, he said his thoughts are higher, his ways. That's in the Old Testament, though. God came and made himself fully known in Jesus Christ. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So anything you believe about God that you can't see in Jesus is a false idea of who God is. So when somebody says, oh, God put sickness on somebody, that's a lie. Because Jesus never put sickness on anybody. He went about healing all those who were oppressed by the devil. 
There you go. Come on. Mm. We have been literally, man, I tell you why I can't get away from that. Literally born of God. You need to start telling yourself that. What is it? First John 3 says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Now. Not in, not in the age to come. Not in heaven. Now we are the sons of God. But Abraham believed God and was counted him for righteousness. Therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. See, the Jews thought because they were physical descendants of Abraham that they were automatically in. But you know that in Romans, it says in, I believe, Romans 9, that not even all those who were sons of Abraham are a part of Israel. You know, he had Ishmael. Ishmael was as much a son as Isaac was. Mm. See, the seed... Oh, I'm jumping ahead. Come on. <laughs> Isaac was the son, but Jesus was the seed. Yes. Mm. Therefore know that only those who are of faith are the sons of Abraham. Man, I tell you what, that set the Jews for a tilt right there. Wait a minute, you're saying that these people... Mm. Just by faith or actually sons? What's he saying? They're heirs of the promises that God made to Abraham. Oh, man. There's so much I want to say right now. And it's 801. You know, Romans 4 says that Abraham is him and his descendants are heir of the world. I remember I was reading that one time. I thought, well, he's the heir of Canaan. But it actually says he's the heir of the whole world. How'd that come about? Because Jesus is the son who is going to come and rule over all of the nations, not just Israel. Oh, man. Hallelujah. Man. And only those who are of faith are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. See, in, in uh, Genesis 12, when God called Abraham, he said, I'm going to bless you, I'll make you a blessing. Anybody who blesses you is going to be blessed. Anybody who curses you is going to be cursed. He said, And in you, all the families. Of the... What was he saying? He was saying, Through Jesus, the seed that's going to come from you, All of the nations are going to be blessed. Not by the law. Under the old covenant law, all of the nations but one were excluded. But in Jesus, everybody's included. (laughs) Under the law, only one nation. Everybody else was excluded. But through Christ and faith in Him, everybody's included. <laughs> so then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. He's the faith father example. That's why Peter said, we believe that we're going to be justified like they are. See, the Jews thought they had to be justified like they were. 
They're like, oh, no, you got you to gotta get circumcised and keep the law of Moses if you want to be saved. No, Peter said, we recognize that nobody's going to be justified by works of the law. And we are going to be saved like they are. See, religious people hate that. (laughs) They need to do what we've done. (laughs) That's legalism. That's legalism. Oh, well, they can't just get it. Oh, are you kidding me? I've been here 20 years. They get the same thing I get? No way. You know how many pies I baked? (laughs) For the ladies auxiliary? (laughs) They used to do that when, when we had the auction. The ladies at the church made the pies for fundraiser. You know, that's, that's really what it is. They're like, oh, no way. They're going to get in line ahead of me. That's the, that's the voice of religion. Jesus told a parable about it. It's one of my favorites. I love it. He talked about a, a, a man who owned a vineyard went in and hired some guys to go work. First thing in the morning, sent him out to the field. And he kept going back. He's like, hey, what are you doing standing around here? Well, nobody's like, come on, go to work. Up until the last hour of the day, he went and got some more guys, brought them out the field. They probably barely even broke a sweat. Everybody got lined up to get paid. They all got the same. And the guys at the front, I mean, the guys who got there in the morning, they said, what are you doing? we bore the burden in the heat of the day and you're going to give them the same that we got? He said, didn't you agree? Oh, man. (laughs) Well, we earned it. We got to get more. (laughs) See, that's what the Jews thought. How in the world can they come? We got 2,000 years on these guys. (laughs) <laughs> what they did they forgot that they were receiving by grace through faith the same as the Gentiles were going to and actually they had an advantage because they could have been walking in blessings all along mm. so let me go here um You got five more minutes? Oh, you, you know, when he asks, you say, oh, yeah. <laughs> I see how it is. <laughs> You're like, we got to get out of here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I probably should stop. okay (laughs) I'm tempted to do the auctioneer joke but I'm not going to do it (laughs) oh man I know I'm going to open up a can of worms here though okay so I'll just give you this preview for next week so he says in verse 10 for as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse If you're under the law, you're under the curse. See, people think, oh, well, that's how you get blessed. The Word of God says different. 
It says, for as many as are of the works of the law, and I like the way the ESV says it, it says relies on. For those who rely on the works of the law are under the curse. That's pretty tight, but it's right. If you're depending on your performance, you're under the curse. Because under the law, you get what you deserve. Oh, man. I love grace because I get what Jesus deserves. <laughs> you can have all that law you want. As many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things. You ought to underline that in your Bible. All things which are written in the book of the law to do them. You should, write, you should underline that too. Because they thought just because they had the law. But do you really even understand what the law says? It says if you don't uh, continue in all things. See, people, when people have a relative righteousness, they're trying to produce their own righteousness, self-righteousness. They pick the parts out they want to do. And they say, well, I may not be perfect. But I'm not like, therein lies the problem. The law is a perfect standard. And that if you don't continue in all things, not just to know them, they thought they just heard it, but to do them. Mm. And it wasn't the top ten. It was 615. Come on, <laughs> 615 laws. See, God, the, the law was never meant to be a means of salvation. It was, a, it was the, let me see how to say this. It was given to get us ready. Because listen, if you didn't know the condition you were in as a sinner... So that's the problem. They thought they were already in. The Jews did. They thought just by birth. They were automatically in. They didn't realize that the law was given to awaken them to something. Their need for salvation. So that when the Messiah would come, they would receive him. But instead... In their pride, their religious pride, they rejected him. And they rejected the free gift of righteousness that God gives. But if a person is going to keep the law to be right with God, they're going to be under the curse. Because you have to keep it all, all the time. And not by, not, listen, it's not in 24-hour segments. It's from the day you're born to the day you die. When you really study that phrase, continue in all things, that's talking about from the day you're born to the day you die. I'm trying to cut the legs out from under you so that you can truly embrace the grace of God in faith. Must continue in all things in the book of the law, to do them. So this comes from Deuteronomy 27. And it's where the priest declared the curses 
And then they declared all of the blessings. And it says that if you hearken to the voice of the Lord to do what he says, then the cursings won't come upon you, but the blessings would. Okay? But Jesus, as our representative, he kept the law, and he fulfilled the law on our behalf. He took the curse of it in our place so that we could have the blessing. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith. And I'll leave you with this. Yet the law is not a faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. Do you know the law is not a faith? It don't take faith to keep the law. It's all of self-effort. It's all flesh. In fact, Hebrews chapter 7 verse 16 calls it a carnal commandment. And there's so much I could say about that right now. But carnal mindedness comes from a legalistic thinking. In fact, Romans 8, when it talks about those who set their mind on the things of the flesh um, and those who set their minds on the things of the Spirit, that's talking about the law and it's talking about faith. Two ways of trying to live for God. Nothing sets your attention on the flesh so much as the law. It gets you hypersensitive to your outward man. And blinds you to the inner man. Hmm. It's all about you. Hallelujah. But thank God it's all about Jesus. He's done it all. Amen. Father, we just give you praise right now. We thank you. Thank you for your goodness. I just thank you, Father God. Hallelujah. We just give you praise for your goodness, Father God. We give you praise for the redemptive work. Of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you. Hallelujah. Jesus. I just want to tell you what the Spirit of the Lord just showed me as Kevin was preaching the Word of Grace because it's just so powerful what you're hearing. You should not take this and just walk out the door unchanged by this. The clarity is so clear. There's such a clarity in the Spirit right now. And I think that it'd be important for us to take advantage of it. Hallelujah. Um, Let me tell you what I saw. Um, You know, over the last year, Kevin and I and the staff have been emphasizing the pristine standard of the cross and the work of Jesus, his death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and seating at the right hand of God. This is something that's not taught in many churches. They teach about the Lord, but they don't teach our identification with him and the fact that we were raised together with him and seated with him. And as he was preaching on the grace of God and on these wonderful truths that we just heard, that many of us, we can have a dullness of hearing because, you know, these are phrases that we're well familiar with. However, these concepts are not truly internalized in many believers. Uh, because we wrestle with condemnation, we wrestle with guilt, and we wrestle with shame. And we don't really fully actualize what Christ did. But this is what I saw, Pastor Kevin. 
As you were beginning to preach, I saw Jesus come right through here. I saw him walk that stage, and I saw him come over here, and he sat down right here where we sit when we do this little. And he sat there, and he listened to you, and he watched you as you walked around, and he was pleased. It was like, finally, somebody said, <laughs> I could feel his joy. And that's when you said, I feel. Remember when you said that? You want to know why? Because he was right behind you. <clears throat> he was right behind you, and he was cheering you on. And he was saying, preach it. Tell it. That's right. So if Jesus is well pleased then we must understand that his atmosphere of joy is in this place so therefore there is the miraculous present now it's always here God's always here guys but he doesn't always manifest himself he is manifesting himself in joy tonight and I believe what you heard and what has entered into your hearing tonight has actualized faith in your heart. So what I sense in my spirit is that there's miraculous things that need to happen in each one of our lives, whether it's physical, financial, or whether it's relational. And I sense the joy of Jesus here. You understand what I'm saying? I sense the joy of Jesus here to activate that. Amen. Amen? So with with you know with, with Kevin's permission, I'll just have you all stand. Because you know what? When, once a person is teaching, see, you have to understand that when a person is teaching the word, you're submitting unto their ministry. You're submitting unto that ministry gift. And that's the reason why I ask permission. Because even though I'm the senior pastor here, I'm sitting and I'm submitting myself. You understand what I'm saying? See, this will get people. I don't understand why people come to church and get bored. It's because you're unsubmitted. Come on now. You've got to submit yourself to teaching. The reason why that man rose up with the devil in the synagogue is because he was submitted unto Jesus' teaching. Jesus was teaching. And that's the reason why he could deal with it. Because he brought that devil to synagogue for years. Amen. But there is a joy of Jesus here right now. Can you sense that joy? Can you sense the expectancy level raised? And I just want you to imagine that lost loved one. I want you to imagine that business turning around. I want you to imagine in your mind's eye, your body turning and making a corner towards health and restoration. I want you to see your marriage restored. I want you to see, you know, your, your finances being increased because of His grace. Not because of what I do or what I don't do, but because of His grace. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. 
Thank you, Lord. Let's lift our hands and just give him praise. Just see it. Hallelujah. The joy of Jesus is here. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. 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 Glory to God. In Jesus' name. I just lift up my brother right now. In Jesus' name, I pray over that surgery right now on his ankle right now. I thank you, Father God. Full and absolute restoration and mobility in his ankle. Supernatural restorative healing power going forth into his body. Causing a supernatural recovery that the doctors will be amazed at in Jesus' name. And you won't be down for four months. You'll be up and walking and doing things that you never thought possible. And feel like a young man. Hallelujah. Because of the power of the Lord in your life. In Jesus' name. By His grace. By His grace. By His grace. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, he's so good, isn't he? I said he's so good. He's so good. He's so good. Hallelujah. Restoration to back trouble, spinal trouble, tailbone issues right now in the name of Jesus. The anointing of the Lord is going forth right now in the name of Jesus. Migraine headaches right now, gone in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, gone. Hallelujah, by the authority of the name of the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, as we're worshiping him, as we're lifting our, he's working in the, in the quiet places, in the, in the, in the secret places of our lives right now. He's bringing restoration and healing. He's bringing, hallelujah, answers, wisdom, hallelujah, wisdom that you've needed in your life. Direction by the power of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. There's joy. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. When you realize you've been freed from everything, there's joy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> and just as Pastor Kevin said, he said, when we don't preach the pristine, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, when we don't preach the pristine version, it doesn't cause faith to arise in a heart. It actually puts them in bondage and in burden. But when we truly preach Christ crucified, then we're truly preaching the full totality of the gospel message. And faith can arise and transformation can happen. But that wasn't just for the new birth. That's for your healing. That's for your deliverance. That's for your restoration. That's how he works. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Kevin, you can close us out. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. 
If you need a prayer, extra prayer, we're going to have ministers that are going to be up here to pray with you. But uh, praise the Lord. We're looking forward to having a powerful time this Sunday. And uh, God is just doing tremendous things and moving in our lives. I just sense that 2024 is going to be a year of surprises. Now, I'm, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not saying all the surprises will be, you know, great surprises, but they'll be surprises. Amen. But the Lord always, where, where, where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. Amen. So we know we got it covered. Amen. God's going to take care of us. But I, I just sense it's not going to be what people are saying. When are we going to stop listening to the prophets of Baal? Amen. You know, we, we need to realize 2024 is, is something that, that is an opportunity. We've got to see it as an opportunity uh, to grow. And I just sense that I was just talking with the pastor the other day, and I just said, well, you know, I know they're saying this, and I know they're saying that. I know it's an election year, and I know it's, you know, the 2020 was weird and, and stuff like that. And, uh, but I'm here to tell you, I don't, I, I'm not saying that there's not going, because we know that we're going to the end game. Okay? But I'm telling you, there's surprises for people who will embrace the Scripture. And there are, there, there's overcoming power for people who will heed this message tonight. And we'll get out of religious, uh, works-based mindset with God and get into a real relationship with Him. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Hello. Oh, this is what the Spirit of the Lord's saying. This may be rough, so understand that. Start sleeping with your husband and not your boss. That's what He said to me. Intimacy from love, from a pure heart, not because of performance or trying to get something. Do you understand what I'm saying? We've got to stop seeing him as a landlord. We've got to stop seeing him as a boss. We've got to understand that he is our husband. Come on now. I know that's rough. I know that's rough, but that's what he told me. You're going to have to stop it. You're going to have to get in a love affair with Jesus. Amen? Hallelujah. I'll keep you till nine if I keep going, so I'm not going to do it. I'm telling you, it's, it's time to get out of this mindset. Oh, this, this dot every I and cross every T. We've got to realize grace, 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 grace. And let that grace work in our lives, bringing the perfection of Jesus in our lives. Because I'm not perfect. Amen? But praise God, it's not living for God. It's letting God live through you. Amen? So we just got to learn to yield ourselves more in 2024. Amen? Praise God. That rhymes. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen? Hallelujah. I'm excited, you know, because I, when I saw that vision... I'm excited Jesus likes to come here and listen to us. <laughs> Amen. I knew I knew he always did, but I'm a, you know, it's just nice to see something like that. Amen. It encourages my heart. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.